Blog Talk Radio. Jazz and blues, the two iconic American music forms, and we have stars from both today. Jazz guitarist Adam Holly, whose first single has shot to number one on the Billboard Smooth Jazz chart. And in the second half of the show, Sandy Carroll, who has returned home to the countryside to continue her reign as queen of the Memphis blues. But with a worldwide twist and a message, it's Music Friday Live. Stay tuned. We're going to have a lot of fun. From Los Angeles, California, it's Music Friday Live, brought to you by Solar City, your source for clean, sustainable energy. I'm your host, Patrick O'Heffernan. This is your show. These bands are here to talk with you, so you can call in, 347-215-7511. Or if you're at work and you're sitting there with your earphones on and you're not really doing what you're supposed to be, you're listening to us, you can email your comments and your questions to musicfridaylive at gmail.com, musicfridaylive at gmail.com. And I want to give a big welcome to all of our listeners out there on the CyberStationUSA.com network and their radio affiliates. Uh, and to those of you who are listening to us on Stitcher and iTunes. And if you are listening live and you have questions, like I said, you can call us. If you are listening to us on a podcast or a rebroadcast, I know a number of stations on the East Coast rebroadcast us. Um, email your questions to musicfridaylive at gmail.com. We will forward them to the guests so they can reply directly to you. Now, we have I mentioned Stitcher and we have a a quick message from Stitcher and then Adam Holly. We'll be right back. Cameo Entertainment Group and CyberStation USA are now part of Stitcher, a free radio app for your smartphone. With Stitcher, you can listen to live programming as well as archive radio programming right on your phone. To obtain Stitcher, just go to the App Store for your particular phone. Go to search, then type in Stitcher. That's Stitcher. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. Then download. It's that simple. Stitcher, a free radio app for your smartphone. Convenient access to live and archive CyberStation USA programming on your mobile phone. That's Stitcher. S-T-I-T-C-H-E-R. CyberStation USA. Always on the go. We're back, and I want to remind you that in addition to Stitcher and Blog Talk Radio and the CyberStation USA Network, you can also download us as a podcast. That's right, as a podcast. Our archives are on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. They're free. You can subscribe if you want to. You can get an RSS feed that will put Music Friday live in your device every week. Well, for years... Adam Holly has been everybody's first choice as a guitarist for tours and recording. And for years, he has played with the best, Jennifer Lopez, Natalie Cole, Gerald Albright, and many others. He even holds a Ph.D. in music, and he teaches at the Musicians Institute in Hollywood, at Chafee College, and at Saddleback College. His deaf fingers and exquisite ear and just sheer talent have ensured that he stands out whether he's playing with the Backstreet Boys or Sheila E. or the Manhattan Transfer, or he's training the new generation of musicians. Well, now he stands out even more because he has released his debut album, Just the Beginning, and predictably, or maybe not, the first single from that album, 35th Street, which features Eric Darius on the saxophone, has been on the Billboard Smooth Jazz chart for 15 weeks and has been number one past three weeks, which is unheard of for accomplishment for a debut single. Once you hear his music and his story, you'll understand why. And we're about to hear both because he's right here with us at Music Friday Live. Adam, welcome to Music Friday Live. All right. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Well, first, congratulations on the success of your debut album and the phenomenal success of the single 35th Street. Well, yeah, we, you know, uh, we don't even know what to say. Myself, uh, my family, my uh, uh, record company, Kalimba Music, uh, which I'm so excited to be a part of. They, they were founded by Maurice White. And of course, there's so much history there. Uh, who, he was the founder of uh, Earth, Wind & Fire. 
And uh, when they when I signed with them, you know, they didn't want to try, they didn't want to blow me up and build up my expectations too high. They said, you know, with with their first single off of a debut record, hopefully we'll get into the twenties on the chart and and build from there. And it got to the twenties and then just kept going. And uh, right now it's in its fourth week, uh, number one on uh, the Billboard chart. And uh, obviously we're super excited and. And uh, it just feels like a long time coming. I, I've been working on this record for 10 years. And uh, so it definitely feels, uh, I feel fortunate and, and blessed. And and it's it's gratifying, too, to put all the hard work in and, and have it pay off. So definitely very excited. Is this the album that you funded uh, through GoFundMe? That's exactly right. Yeah, I you know, the, the GoFundMe supporters were just so generous. And I raised. Uh, about eight thousand dollars, which which paid for most of the record. The record probably cost about thirteen to make, which which I I did all myself. So so the GoFundMe was more than half, and uh, you know it it wouldn't have been the same record without all of that support. And I owe a lot of that to the touring I've been doing over the years. Just fortunately, a lot of the fans of the artists I've been working with uh, started to follow me and. And uh, through social media was the big thing, uh, just putting up posts. And every time I do a concert with somebody, I just put up a post and remind people about my um, funding campaign. And uh, that was instrumental in, in getting the record, you know, being able to make it the right way. It costs a lot of money to make a record. You got to, you know, I, I did have a lot of people. Um, I was able to, you know, uh, kind of talk them down a little bit. Hey, can you help me out? But still, you know, there's this cost, you know, renting a studio, mixing, mastering, uh, you know, paying musicians, uh, and so you know it, it adds up. So uh, yeah. the GoFundMe was uh, campaign was instrumental, definitely. You you, you just said um, a, a phrase that I love to hear: paying musicians. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yay! So I should make sure that that all of our listeners uh, heard both the story, which means you should take a look at GoFundMe every now and then. Maybe you have a chance to to be part of a, uh, a hit record. And also, don't we love it when people say paying musicians? Well, right, um, right, exactly. And it's not a, it's, it's not something you hear a lot these days. Well, once <laughs> I listen, once I listen to the single. Um, I understood why it has been at the top of the Billboard Smooth Jazz chart for, uh, as you say, a month now. So I'm going to let our listeners uh, in on the excitement. Here is people love that single and and Derek Darius is, is perfect on it he, he's such a great sax player and the whole band is stellar now how did you put the band together to do this album is this your regular band or did you assemble a special band for the album well yeah we all play together uh, quite often uh, I didn't have a regular band when I started making the record I just I never really tried to get out too much and, and play on my own without having you know, a, a record to back it up. I didn't, I didn't quite see, you know, what the point was. So that, now that the record's been out for a couple of months, I've been playing quite a bit and definitely all, all of the guys uh, on the record are, are guys that have now um, done some of my shows. So we have uh, Eric Valentine on drums, incredible drummer. He, he tours quite a bit lately with uh, Peter White and Richard Elliott. So he also uh, went out for a long time with Steve Lukather of Toto. So he's an incredible drummer. We have uh, Nate Tierney on the bass. We just got done touring with Dave Cause, and he's also toured with Brian Culbertson and uh, and Kurt Carr. The keyboard player, Carnell Harrell, we toured together with Jennifer Lopez several years ago, and he's gone on to tour with uh, the Jacksons and uh, also before that, Tina Marie. 
uh, on percussion. We got Ramon Isla. He's toured with everybody. You name it. Backstreet Boys, Jennifer Lopez. Um, and then finally, a, Eric Darius, an incredible saxophonist, an incredible solo artist in his own right. He's had number of hits and been on the scene for quite a long time as a you know as a solo artist. And I've done his show a few times as his guitar player. And uh, so I was looking for somebody to pair up with. And uh, the song was completely done. Uh, with just guitar playing the melody, and I was like, you know what? I feel like I could add just a little bit extra to it to just help it pop. And uh, I reached out to Eric and sent him the song, and he was down. And uh, he was so professional. He came in. We knocked it out in, I want to say, an hour, uh, his sax playing. And, uh, you know, the rest, the rest, as they say, well, is history. It, it worked it, out. It certainly did. But uh, you mentioned earlier that um, you didn't see the point. What did you mean? Why did it take you so long to produce an album? Well, it's just that, you know, uh, when you go out and do a show and then it goes well, and the first thing people ask people, oh, do you have a record? You know, can I buy a record? So it's kind of, I felt like, well, you know, I'm kind of getting the car before the horse. I, I would do shows here and there, but I didn't really push. And then also, it's not that easy to get gigs if you don't have a record to back yourself up. It's kind of like a business card. So, you know, to call, for instance, a festival and say, hey, I want to come play your festival. The first thing they ask for is your record. So I really I had to get get the record done before I could really get out there and and uh, and start pushing. But in terms of making it, you know, I started on it uh, when I was actually an undergrad at USC. I wrote in some of these songs that are on the record in the single, which you just played 35th Street, along with Cruisin' and Anytime at All are songs I wrote 10 years ago. And uh, and I had started working on the record. I was hanging out, you know, the, the chair of the music department at USC uh, was Richard Smith at the time, and, and he's had a great uh, contemporary jazz career. So I was bending his ear and, and really kind of ramping up to make a record. And then, you know, life just kind of happened. I, I started touring. I got married, and we had our son, Adam Jr., and, uh, and it just got busy. And uh, so it kind of went on the back burner a little bit, but I, to be honest, I'm so glad I waited because everybody on the record that, that played on it, I did not know 10 years ago. So, uh, so you, you couldn't you know, have done it. These are all then, contacts. Right? Yeah. Huh? Uh, you couldn't have done it. No, well, you know, you exactly, mentioned USC. It, it, would, it would not have been the same record. Yeah. So these are all contacts. Most of them I made in the last three or four years. So, you know, just being on tour and meeting people, it, that, that's, mm-hmm. that's how it became the record that it is. The timing was right. Well, let me ask you a little bit about that, that, uh, that USC, that graduate degree. Uh, you spent your entire educational career at USC, which is not a bad place at all. Um, why did you decide to get a doctorate in applied music? I mean, isn't applied music what you do already? <laughs> right, exactly. Well, yeah, so I got a, it's a doctorate of musical arts in studio jazz guitar. And I just had an incredible time at USC. And uh, I was so fortunate to be able to teach there at the time. I was teaching um, beginning pop rock guitar sections A and B, so the, the first two semesters of that course, along with private private students that I had there, and it was just an incredible experience. And then, and then the faculty were were amazing, and um, you know I owe most of my career to my experience there. So I I just had a great time. I, I had a great time going to school, and I and teaching has always been a passion of mine. And I knew the further Along, I went in my educational career, uh, the doctorate would definitely help. And it certainly has um, in the jobs that I've been hired for. Uh, you know, at, at uh, Musicians Institute, they were specifically looking for teachers with advanced degrees. And um, so a friend of mine, Stieg Matheson, we went to uh, school together at USC. And I should say Dr. Stieg Matheson. We both did our doctorate at the same time. So he became the chair of Musicians Institute. And then went on to hire me. I was actually the first instructor that he hired. So that, that was a connection right there, along with um, Chafee College and Saddleback College. I also got hired at those schools from people I met while I was doing my master's and doctorate. So it all kind of goes hand in hand. Having the degree all, is helpful in getting hired. And then at the same time, the people who hired me, I met while doing the graduate degree. <laughs> So it all it all came together. We're talking with uh, jazz guitarist Adam Holly about his uh, debut album, Just the Beginning, and the chart-topping single, 35th Street. 
You can talk with them, too. You can call them at 347-215-7511. That's 347-215-7511. And I see we are getting some email questions, but I'm going to give out the email anyway. It is musicfridaylive at gmail.com, musicfridaylive at gmail.com. Uh, we have, uh, like I say, we have some emails. Um, this is interesting. <laughs> Um, Veronica in San Diego has been listening very carefully. And she said, uh, she says, you mentioned guys several times. Is jazz an all male preserve? Oh, absolutely not. And I, and I, uh, well, first of all, on my record, my lovely wife uh, is featured on uh, the last song, which I think you're going to play later on love song. We are. And then she also sings on Joyride, which I think you said you're going to play too. So yes, we are. Uh, so no, I got my wife involved and, and there's so many amazing female musicians out there. And uh, you know, that I've had the pleasure of working with as well. Uh, Jesse J oh. is a great saxophone player who I've played with uh, Mindy a bear, uh, Grace Kelly, Keiko Matsui. So there, there's a number out there. Uh, so no, it's, it's definitely not just, uh, <laughs> just for right, well, doing it. There's a lot of fantastic female musicians out there as well. All right. We have one here from uh, Randall in Los Angeles. And Randall wants to know, where do you play in L.A.? Yeah, and and well, also and, wants and, to know if you're listed on bands in town. Oh, you know what? That's a good question. I should, I should sign up for that. I, I'm not sure that I am listed on bands in town, but you can always go to my website. I have all my tour dates listed, which is, uh, it's real easy. It's just adamholly.com, and my last name is H-A-W-L-E-Y. And, uh, yeah, I, I just did a show at the Zen Lounge in Studio City a couple months ago. And then the other ones that are going to be nearby, I have a few coming up, actually. I'm doing um, – Actually, I have, I'm hitting two festivals on the same day, July 17th. I'm playing at Jazz Fest West in the early afternoon out in San Dimas. And then I'm playing at the Festival of the Arts in Laguna uh, oh my that God. evening. <laughs> you're so, going to yeah, be uh, the next ones. doing some traveling, that. man. You're going to be I doing know, some driving. Well, it's all good. It's all good. But also yeah. the love of music. So, so those are the next ones coming up. And then every first Sunday, I play at Spagatini in Philby's with my group, the L.A. Collective. So you always can catch us down there as well. well. Which you've been doing for a number of years now, too, haven't you? Yeah, we've been doing that residency, uh, I believe, over a year. And I, I've been playing at Spagatini for, I don't know, five, six, seven years. Uh, and that's yeah. been a staple of, of the contemporary jazz community. It's just an incredible club. And any night of the week, you can catch great music there. So, yeah, we've been fortunate to... Um, to play there every first Sunday, and it's a jam session. So we'll we'll play our original music. Uh, the last time we were there, our uh, keyboard keyboardist in the group, Greg Manning, he has a record coming out. So we played a few songs that were coming out soon, and uh, and it's fun. So definitely, if you get a well, chance, come on down. But we need we need to uh, leave the classroom and Sagittinis and go back to music. And I and you mentioned this one, this is East Lake, and it's one of my favorites from the album. tempo and i especially like the uh, the interplay of the guitar and the brass on that one and very sophisticated production now i understand that you sometimes hear songs in your sleep uh, was that one of them oh no th this was not the, the song that that especially uh you know is, is what you're talking about is the song i called while you were dreaming and i actually dreamt that and wrote it and did the entire demo in 30 minutes right after I woke up. But no, this song Eastlake is, uh, it, it was written in Eastlake, which is a suburb of Seattle. And I was on tour with Layla Hathaway and Ruben Studdard. And uh, there's a great club up there, Jazz Alley, that uh, they have condos 
and uh, you know we're staying in there. They have a piano, and it's just a very inspiring setting. And uh, that's that's where that song came to be. Well, about the middle of that song, right around the middle of that song, um, at about two and a half minutes, you do a fairly complex guitar riff. Now, learning that level of guitar is a challenge. Uh, so who besides your mother, who really wanted you to study piano, were your mentors in learning the guitar? Well, I was really fortunate. Uh, you know, as you said, uh, you know, my, my mom especially was like, uh-oh, he wants to play guitar. He's going to get into rock and roll or something. So, you know, she, she had me playing piano at an early age. But um, I had great guitar teachers. My first teacher was Greg Skipkala. I studied with him all the way up until... Uh, college and then um, the guitar department is is uh, extremely high highly heralded at USC and uh, I studied with all the teachers there uh, Richard Smith Pat Kelly uh, Frank Potenza Carl Verheyen Bruce Foreman the list goes on and on I, I I could go on and on just there's about 10 teachers there so all of those uh, were an incredible influence to me and then in terms of artists uh, that one of the first ones I got into was George Benson, and he was really my um, oh, kind yeah. of entry into contemporary jazz. And then sure. also Norman Brown was a good one as well. Uh, we've got a couple of emails here that I wanted to get to. Uh, one, one kind of very intriguing. This is from Millie in New York City, and Millie wants to know, what do your students teach you? Well, that's exactly how it is. I learned so much from teaching, and uh, it's incredible. And, I, and I've had my students go on to, to do really well. I have one student, Mateus. He's out on tour with Tori Kelly. I have uh, another one that's out on uh, doing a cruise ship tour right now. So it's incredible. Really what they teach me is I have to dissect what I do and understand better uh, you know, the intricacies of my playing in order to explain it to my students. And, um, and that, just, that just helps me get a better handle on, on what I'm doing as a guitar player. Interesting. You know, uh, I, when, you, when you were young, I mean, you started young, you were touring with a, a bluegrass band at 14, and you played in a blues band in high school. So, and then you got to your, the lucky break in college, and, and you toured with Manhattan Transfer for four years. Some would say that you have led a charmed life, but since people usually have to make their own luck and music, I imagine there was some pretty hard work behind that. Were you always obsessive about your playing the guitar? Well, definitely. And uh, growing up in a small town, I was in, um, in uh, Gaston, Oregon, which is only 500 people. So there was not a lot to do. So I, I was just always very obsessive. I just practiced all day, every day, five, six, eight, ten hours every day. Wow. And, uh, that, you know, all that hard work paid off, fortunately. And, um, uh, and definitely when I got to USC, I, I went there for the reason of, of wanting to further myself and feeling like, you know, if I go to Los Angeles, if I can make it there, you know, kind of like the uh, Frank Sinatra, at, uh, New York, New York, if I, you know, if I can make it here, I can make it anywhere. So uh, LA obviously is a, is a major entertainment capital and uh, once I got to USC a freshman year I could see I had a long way to go so I put in a lot of time in my uh, first years there and uh, you know it, like like I said yeah. I, I feel so fortunate I think it's been paying off well of course the hard work always pays off and you're right about LA it, it, it is the music capital of the country now some say the world and but it's a very very competitive marketplace and your strategy for being in the marketplace of, of teaching at three universities while you produce what is now a, a number one billboard hit is, is, is a good one. Um, now you, you also have played side and you have toured with a wide range of bands and not all of them jazz. Um, so do you like to kind of jump the fence every now and then and play some pop or rock or R and B? Well, yeah, a lot of people ask me, what is my favorite type of music? And, uh, you know, I really don't have one necessarily. Uh, definitely my record is a contemporary jazz record, but I tried to put a lot of different flavors in there. And, um, yeah, I, I've never really honed in on one genre. I, I have a lot of fun um, jumping around. And, and uh, you know, I'd never been into bluegrass, but as you mentioned, that was my first touring experience at, at 14 years old. And then um, I had my blues band in high school. And then, you know, I've done – it's traditional jazz with the Manhattan Transfer and Natalie Cole all the way over to pop with the Backstreet Boys and 
Jennifer Lopez and kind of everything in between. So I, I think it's just more interesting that way. I, I really enjoy it. And my main thing is just making music and, and uh, communicating. And if I feel like the band, if we're all commuting together to, uh, to make great music, then I'm happy regardless of the genre. You're, you're what I call a music omnivore, in which uh, I am too. <laughs> all right. Well, you, you mentioned uh, a, a love song, and we're going to play a love song with this lovely woman, Kat Finley, on it. This is Love Song. such a, a beautiful song uh, and as you mentioned earlier and I didn't know this that that's your wife singing and uh, I, I assume that you that because the two of you are simpatico you got it perfectly the first time right <laughs> no that's one that uh, you know I thought we were done I thought we had a great take and we recorded that at, at my studio here at the house and uh, and she's like no no we got it you know we got to keep going do a few more takes and and even the mother-in-law jumped in chimed in she's a great singer as well Kathy and uh, Kathy Finley and she just said uh, yeah wait wait wait, wait hold it stop takes. now I, wait wait I can't let that get past you say your mother-in-law is also involved in that Yes, he was chiming in. She said, "You know, she said, I think my I think my daughter could do a little better." So, <laughs> so we, uh, we we recorded a few more takes, and uh, no, but it, it turned out great. So of course you you know you're always your own worst critic. So that's why I was saying, no, I think it sounds great. But we we cut a few more takes, and uh, and uh, the end result uh, definitely worked out great. And and that's the song that a lot of people come up and and tell me that's one of their favorites. And and then I, oh, yeah. you know, I usually have her sing that song in my uh, in my shows too, and always goes over really well. Uh, did you um, happen to video the recording of that song? Oh, you know, I should have. That would have been smart. I, I did some videotaping of the uh, when I recorded the rhythm section for most of the the uh, for most of the record. But no, that would have been smart. That's that's a good idea. I should do that for the next record. Because uh, I, I, this is the first time I have ever had a musician on the air in four years now who told me that their wife and their mother-in-law were in on the same recording session. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, musically, that, that's a very interesting song. The lyrics and, and the voice are a torch song, a love song, but the music, your music, is more is kind of almost gentle blues. It's kind of um, a, a blend. How did, other than the conversation with you and your wife, how did that come together musically? Did you just sit down and write that? Well, uh, you know, I really wanted to do something different, and 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 the uh, you know that that's a such a uh, iconic song originally done by The Cure, and then uh, Adele just did a very beautiful version of it. So you know, we wanted to do something different. We didn't want to just re- redo it because uh, it, it already was a, a, a massive hit by both. Yeah. So the the thought came to me that it would be so cool to just have a final song on the record that was almost like an encore. You know, a lot of times you'll go see a, a concert and they'll do, you know, a big finale and then they'll come back out and do just something kind of acoustic, kind of, you know, mellow to end the show. And uh, I was like, you know what, I could, I could probably, you know, do my record that same way. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, Likewise, the first track on this song, I always start all of my shows with, or excuse me, the first track on this record, I always start my shows with. So in a way, the, the record is, is kind of a show of, of my hey. music, and um, and that's what we were going for, just something kind of like, you know, kind of real mellow and something to close out the night. Well, good. Then, then people can both buy the record and go to your shows and have a double experience. 
We um, there, we're, exactly. we're pretty much out of time, but there's been a uh, an email staring at me in the email section in, um, of one of the computers here in the studio that I really I'm got to have to ask you. Uh, <laughs> this is from uh, Mephistocles in Hollywood, and he says, "You play, and I didn't know this. You play a custom Gibson 336 rigged with 11 gauge strings. He must be a guitar player." How did you arrive at the 336, and do you have a fat neck or a slim 60s neck? Wow. You know what? Wow. I don't even know the answer to that last question about the neck. Uh, it, it's whatever, whatever the stock neck is on the, on the CS336, but I've, I've always loved those type of guitars. Semi, it's a semi-hollow body guitar, and, um, and so – uh, but I always found that, you know, I wanted something a little bit different, and and that model is a little bit smaller. And uh, a lot of friends of mine had that same model when I was at USC, so it kind of intrigued me. And I, I got lucky with that guitar. I bought it off eBay, had never played it before. It was used. Uh, you know, a lot of times you'd like to try out an instrument before you buy it, but uh, I just lucked out. It turned out great. And so I've been playing that, and then uh, also I have a D'Angelico um, uh EXDC, and I've been playing that guitar quite a bit too. And uh, and yes, as as the email said, those, those are all with eleven gauge strings. Well, I want to specifically uh, uh, for uh, it, it learn teaching us a little about guitars. Obviously, um, Joyride is dying to be played because it's tried to start itself <laughs> twice. So so wow. we're going to play a little bit of Joyride, and before we uh, we say goodbye, so here is Joyride. song just absolutely couldn't wait any longer it just had to jump out that that was joyride unfortunately we're having too much fun we are out of time but um i'd like even though you are number one on billboard and everybody in the world now has a copy of your single why don't you tell the one or two people left who haven't bought it where they can get your music Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, the easiest would either be on uh, Amazon. You can get the physical record uh, if you want to grab it. And you can also get the uh, digital MP3. And then, of course, iTunes is real easy, too, if you just want the download. So um, okay. both of those, just type in my name, Adam Holly, H-A-W-L-E-Y. And the record is called Just the Beginning. Okay. Well, Adam, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us today between all your teaching and your songwriting and your playing and your driving back and forth to music festivals. The, uh, it, it's been a pleasure. Definitely. I really appreciate the time, and uh, it's been fantastic. Thanks so much. Adam Holly, the debut album is just beginning. It's on Kalimba, Rec- Kalimba Records, and um, what a beginning it is. You can get a copy at Amazon.com or on iTunes. You can also stream it on Spotify. You can learn all about Adam and his classes, his music, and his, the many other secrets of his life at AdamHolly.com. We're going to take a quick break right now, and when we come back, Sandy Carroll joins us. Don't go away. This is going to be so much fun. World Arts brings the entire music world together on one global stage. We give artists the tools to sell and license their music, interact with industry pros, and play live to a whole new audience. Wherever they are on their journey, we want artists to get paid for what they create. At World Arts, Fans can discover new songs, get exclusive rewards, and crowdfund projects for artists. Brands can offer opportunities for artists to create original content that fans can instantly vote on and share. World Arts is the global music platform where we can all rise above the noise. 
Take your career to the next level. Discover new artists. At World Art, it's all about the music. And we're back. We're back at uh, Music Friday Live. I'm Patrick O'Heffernan. And don't forget, we would like to hear from you, 347-215-7511. Or you can email us. A lot of you have been emailing today, so I guess you're all at work. Email us at musicfridaylive at gmail.com. And, of course, you just heard the ad from uh, World Arts. And I want to remind everybody out there that uh, we're members of World Arts. It's our broadcast partner. You should sign up. It's a great way for fans and musicians and people in the music industry all to meet one another. And if you're in the L.A. area, they have a great um, uh, venue. And they do concerts constantly. I'm down there a lot. So you should sign up, www.worldarts.com. It's free. We are there, and you should be too. Well, our next guest has been playing, writing, and singing music forever, or at least since she can remember. She's toured the world, performed on stages large and small. She writes songs for herself and for other artists who then take them to the top of the charts. She's the queen of Memphis blues and even has a last note on Beale Street. She's only one of four living women to get her own brass note on Beale Street. Her music makes your foot tap, it makes your gut tighten, and it makes your heart skip a beat. And it also sometimes makes you think. She's the last Southern Belle, and I am proud to welcome Sandy Carroll to Music Friday Live. Sandy, welcome. Well, I am glad to be here. <laughs> All right, Sandy. How are you? I'm good. I'm talking to musicians and playing music. You know, this, this album is a pretty powerful statement, especially right now when the country's embroiled in a, a national kind of an art that you sing about. And I would say, given the volume of that discussion, that the the last Southern Bell is actually going to be around for a long time. Now you write. You won't see I the write likes of all her of again. my stuff, yeah. Yeah. But I just wonder, is 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 this a wish on your part or is this what you're seeing that the Southern Bells are really a dying breed? Well, that's a really interesting question. I don't think I do think a particular generation of Southern Bells are a dying breed. Uh, I think the new Southern woman is. I think that the new Southern woman holds some of the traditional things that are part of our culture, but they're so much bigger. Uh, the last Southern Belle to me was a generation of the 50s before civil rights, before women's rights, because, you know, before choices were available, that you could be anything and do anything. You didn't have to think a certain way or be a certain way or dress a certain way. So I think that is a dying breed. Um, But there are touches of the southern gentility that, of course, are still around, and you can see them all the time. And they're good touches, too. I mean, there's, there's nothing yeah, wrong yeah. With, with that. Yeah. I like to think that, you know, we retain some of the good things, but with a broader view and, um, and you know, let go of some of the other things. Well, when, when you stop and think that uh, one of the world's largest purveyors of information and news is in the South, CNN in Atlanta, and one of the, uh, the best scientific uh, research areas, of course, is in the research triangle in, in the South, uh, you know that the, the South has definitely changed. Well, let, let, let's um, let's listen to a little bit of the title song so our audience knows uh, what all the excitement is about. She loved Elvis and Jesus and her red Cadillac, riding with the top down and the sun on her neck. Goes to church every Sunday, dressed to the nines, no doubt about it.
one of uh, the lines in uh, that song, which of course is the title song for the album, is Rebels Never Surrender. She tells her daughter and her son there was only one war and the other side won. Well, I lived in Georgia for 13 years, and I learned that you know there are many people who believe that what they call the war of northern aggression uh, is not over, and that the way of life whose passing you chronicle still exists and will triumph. Now, in your experience, is this a belief you find mostly in Southern men, but not in the Southern, the southern women that you sing about? Oh, that's interesting, too. Um, we try. I don't find it as much uh, after having moved back to the South. I don't find that as much, and maybe I'm not as privy to some of those conversations because <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't belong there. Um, I would say yes, though. Yeah, I, I, maybe. That may be a true statement, and I'm not sure why. Yeah, that uh, we'd have to bring on an expert in that. My, my own experience there is that the, the South, as we know it from history, was, was uh, a very male-dominated place, and that, uh, that's changing. Um, yeah. And maybe also the emergence of what you call, um, you sing about a Southern woman. Actually, why don't we, we play the song, uh, Southern Woman, and then let's talk a little bit about what you have to say about Southern women and who that Southern woman is. about the lines in that uh, and let me just say first of all I love the music that's a wonderful piece of musical craftsmanship there Um, the lines in that song peculiar behavior is something she knows firsthand she can move with the slickest she can also be the missus to her favorite man that sounds like a woman who who makes her own choices whether anybody else uh, likes them or not and some of those choices may be socially acceptable and some may not. Is is that what the Southern woman is, a, a woman who's totally in charge of herself? I think so. I I believe that um, that's the modern Southern woman, and uh, the peculiar behavior is a little reference to all the characters of the South. But of course, they're everywhere, but that's what I know. And, um, yeah, I think she can, she can be all parts of herself and still hold... Uh, you know, one man dearly and uh, hold her children or whatever that is uh, that she loves, that is what she loves, but she can be a complete woman. Well, of course, you mentioned characters, and Southern music has, has really given us some interesting characters. Um, you could, like, I'm thinking of Dolly Parton right away jumps to mind. So Right. And 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 I love you. I don't know any more. Any other characters jump to your mind uh, from Southern music? Well, peculiar behavior. I was thinking of some of the like Faulkner and Tennessee Williams, and just mm. just you know some of the characters. Um, and being from uh, the Memphis area, just you know some of the wild and crazy characters. They're in every city, but uh, that's what came to mind. And and playing also for many years, I played had to play. And enjoyed a lot of it in bars on Beale Street on the road, and um, you meet some pretty peculiar behavior people there. You know, if they've had a drink or two, uh, and and you can meet them anywhere, really. So I I, I'm at ease with those people as long as they're good-hearted and their souls are good. You know, I enjoy yeah. the, that, but um, I, it doesn't mean I want to really go home to it or bring it home or particularly live with it. But it's fun. To be around. 
Well, we're starting to get emails from your fans. I haven't even given out the email address, and already we're getting emails. So Sylvia in Memphis says, I am a proud Southern woman, and you got it just right. Keep on singing. I imagine Thank you, you will. Sylvia. Thank you. <laughs> Um, are I you going to be it. playing in Memphis, any place where Sylvia and others can see you? I just uh, played in Memphis at um, a grand old establishment called Huey's Midtown uh, a month or so ago. I don't have anything at the moment. I'm going to be in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, doing a, a pretty nice little venue with Keith Sykes, who's a writer. Um, yeah. But that's coming up, and but Sylvia, I, I'm on Facebook, or just let me know. I'd love to meet you. I'm in Memphis, okay. in and out all the time. So, okay, um, I, I'm curious about the musical form of that song, and and all of your music in general. It, it's not quite blues, although it's got some delta in it. It's not quite R&B. It's definitely not rock. It tells a story. It's Sounds a little country, but it's not. Uh, where would you put your music on kind of the the musical scale? Well, there, you know, this is of course in Americana, this record. But I think um, if there were such a, a genre as country blues or something like that, I might fit into that. Uh, I write everything, so when it comes down to picking songs for a record. Uh, it, it's just so eclectic. I I can't seem to bend toward one, you know, box. I never have been. I think maybe that's <laughs> that's a problem for some people. But um, but every bit of it, I always say, coming from the area of the country, which uh, is Memphis and the Mississippi River, and growing up outside Memphis with the Tennessee River, I think um, that the, I always say the Mississippi mud and the rhythm of the rivers always is in everything I do with rhythm and phrasing and and lyrically, too. I, you know, the phrasing is a lot of it. And so, I, you know, you could call it blues, but say from Memphis. Memphis has had every kind of music, you know, Charlie Rich. A lot of it, they, they go different ways, but they start from that mud, you know, country, blues, rock. Uh, of course, I mean Elvis. Everybody, it, it comes from something that I don't know roams around there or something, and lands and or we're gifted somehow, you know, or whatever with that, it is, uh, it, rhythm. Yeah, whatever it is, I love it. And of course, you mentioned Elvis. Well, Elvis kicked off a, a revolution. He was part of a, of a revolution and a musical revolution in this country. So we have a lot uh, to owe to Memphis and that Mississippi mud you're talking about. <clears throat> yeah, I think so. I mean, I think so, too. It's very distinctive, and, um, you know, at, at one point, and to this day, people, I, I remember my first record, um, I went into the hallway, you know, and uh, Joe Cocker was sitting there, and he, he was just such a nice, gentle man, and I thought, you know, I'm, my heart is fluttering. Oh, my gosh. Joe Cocker, Mr. Joe Cocker, and uh, but he was in Memphis to get that vibe. He had the Memphis horns on his record, and yeah. that little bit of funk that's in there. Even when it sounds more country, and actually this record is riding a contemporary country chart right now, we're number four, which I would never have dreamed of. But um, I, I think it's I think it has soul, no matter what genre you put it in everything that i write and try to do has to have some authenticity and some soul in it well it 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 certainly does now you lived outside of uh, of the south for 30 years and then you've come back um have you seen any changes or i should say what changes have you seen in southern music well in the music um well, of course, you know, in 30 years, hip-hop is huge now, too. I mean, uh, Mafia 6 is from Memphis and has done extremely well. But when it's it's a lot, it's still very R&B-based, um, uh, apart from the bluegrass and the really um, authentic country. Although even country, which is more Nashville than where I am, is very pop these days to me. 
um, and very heavy guitar sort of mixed in the background. Mm-hmm. But I think the Southern thing, and especially the Memphis thing, is it's very R&B. It's very laid back. We all play just a little bit behind the beat, and um, it's it's lazy, but it has energy. Mm, and um, I think that's that's still here. People still come here for that sound. Um, uh, Bruno Mars had a big hit last year with Uptown Funk, and that was recorded yeah. in Memphis at Willie Mitchell's studio, who I had the honor to to work with a little. And um, it's just that little funky sound. I don't know. <laughs> it just lives there. <laughs> I like it. Uh, we're talking with uh, Sandy Carroll about her latest album, Last Southern Bell, and you can talk with her, too. You can call us at 347-215-7511, or you can email us at musicfridaylive at gmail.com, like so many of you are. But right now, uh, I'd like to, to play a little more of that great music, and this is uh, this is my favorite on the album. This is the tattoo that you my heart on my sleeve And then I lost it, made it permanent But I love you written under my skin An arrow pointed straight to my heart song on the album and uh, before people start calling in and asking and i know they will is that your tattoo you're singing about and if so where is it that you see it every hour when you're awake (laughs) i just like to answer that question that not all tattoos are inked in you know some of them are just emblazoned on your heart but this this particular song is is about an ink tattoo that you know when you get kind of crazy enough sometimes you actually put it on there and then when it doesn't work out you're it's like oh my gosh I have to look at this all day but um I've been there to have that tattoo but I don't actually have it inked on my arm no but and okay, I'm not going to confirm right. or deny where <laughs> I might have one <laughs> but it's not on my arm <laughs> All right, everybody, you can calm down now. Uh, all right. uh, um, uh, Leslie in uh, New York City uh, wants to know if uh, you play in New- if you ever play in New York. She says we need your message and your music. And Paula in Austin wants you to want you to come to uh, South by Southwest. So this gives you an opportunity to say, got any touring plans at all? Or are you going to stick close to home pretty much? I would love to come to Austin. I'd love to come to to New York. I came very close to doing South by Southwest this year, and I can't remember exactly what happened, but I didn't get get there. So maybe next year I'll make it. And um, uh, with New York, I've always wanted to do. I have done um, on the road, sort of outside, you know, the city and around that uh, area, and enjoyed it a lot. But you know, I. Just uh, give me a call. I'd love to. Two places. I mean, I've been to New York, but honestly, I've never been to Austin. I would love to go. And um, Anton Records, I actually almost signed a deal with them years and years ago. So, man, I'd love to yeah. see you there. Yeah, that, I think you'd, you'd go over well in, in South by uh, in South by Southwest. Um, the, you know, it's it, um, it, I'm I'm glad that all of your not all of the songs in this album are about you know change in politics and demographics of the women in the South and all that uh, sort of stuff. That, that you do have love songs in there too because uh, it makes the album. Uh, well, we actually we have a, a an email from somebody here who I think says it just right. This is from Regina or Regina in Nashville, and she says these are trip, tricky topics you are singing about, and I. Think you got them just right, but I wonder, have you PO'd anybody? Well, if I have, uh, I haven't heard about it. I tried to tell uh, Regina. I really tried to be very delicate with um, with these subjects because I've lived them, uh, and and in traveling, 
I found that I had to defend being from the South a lot. Um, and it, it, it really bothered me because uh, I see a lot of um, things that aren't right everywhere, everywhere. It's not just here, but it seems that when you listen to the news sometimes, it, it feels like it's all here. So I tried to be very delicate, but I also tried to be very realistic about it and um, and and sort of give, you know, like what's fun about it, what, what I remember, what I can still live and um, participate in with Southern culture. But um, in defending the South, I also want to say that there are some things that are that you can't defend. There's no, nope. no defense for them. Well, you've got one song in the album. It's our last song right now, which I think makes a great statement. This is Water Run Deep. I can see my mama smiling from the other side. Singing, baby, don't cry. Baby, don't cry. Yeah, baby, don't fear. Such a, a, a great song, and, and I love the the line in there. I love all the lines in there, but one that really got me is, "No lullaby gonna lull this child." Um, we have about yeah. a minute or so left. Uh, tell us about the song. What inspired you to write it? I wrote it with uh, William Lee Ellis, who is, uh, teaches in Vermont. We used, we've written a lot together. He used to be in Memphis, and that's the one song we were talking. We wrote that actually when the Confederate uh, flag thing was going on. And uh, once again, I wanted to handle it delicately, but we did. Uh, we I wanted to say that you know the waters, the, and and that was his idea. The waters run deep, and sometimes the path simmers right below the surface. And as urbane or as sophisticated or as well-read or you know whatever intellectual anywhere, you have to be careful because. That that water it, it's churning, and it still churns down here. Uh, and putting it in a a gospel format, I think, was absolutely the perfect context. You really. I want it to be a really spiritual song, kind of yeah. That that yeah. feel to it, yeah. Um, well, the clock is telling us that we've been having too much fun, <laughs> <laughs> and we have to go. Unfortunately, well, well, Sandy, uh, this this is a. As far as I'm concerned, this is a triumphant album. It should be in the collection of anybody who loves any kind of music. So where can people Thank get you. it? Um, you can get it uh, if you want to download it on iTunes, uh, Spotify. If you want the physical record, which does have the lyrics printed on it, you know, you might have to get a magnifying glass, but they're on there. Uh, Amazon, our CD baby. But it's real easy to just, you know, if you're buying something from Amazon, just kind of hook it on there. Um, I do have uh, sell from shows, but at the moment I am lined up with writing for the rest of the summer, so it'll be the fall. And um, I'd love for you to have it, you know. Anybody listening, yeah. that'd be okay. great. I'd lo- love to share it. I-, I feel strongly about it, and I feel like I'm old enough that that um, I sort of lived it, so... Old enough to have lived it and young enough to to sing about it. That's what. The, yeah, and I, yeah. and to be fair about it too, because you know everybody has a point of view, and that's okay. We should just respect each other and and try and and go so, from there. Um, I think. You don't have any shows coming up at all uh, until the fall. Uh, right now, I don't. Uh-uh. Okay. I've got uh, yeah, I've, I've just got some sessions. Okay. With uh, writing sessions that are all right. Well, everybody, yeah. should, everybody should stay uh, in touch with you on uh, on your um, your your website, and uh, when mm-hmm. your shows come up, they can find out. And Sandy, I want to uh, say thank you so much for for taking the time to be with us. This is this has been so much fun, just like your music. I have enjoyed it, and I love hearing from the uh, the people that emailed in. I love that so much because uh, I do feel like. 
as a writer, I'm very isolated sometimes, and so that makes me really joyous to know right. that you're listening. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Music Friday Live with Patrick O'Heffernan from Cyberstation USA, Blog Talk Radio, and our radio affiliates. Tune in next week. We're going to have Bob Malone and uh, Fresh from his European Tour and always the fascinating Ari. That's it for now. Have a great musical weekend.